Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome to number 10 of the Patients Perspective Interview Marathon. Today's interview features Chris Ward from Canada, and I will get right to it. I hope that you enjoy as she shares a patient's perspective on healthcare. Chris, you are welcome here. What is your name? I, I said what your name is already, but We'll start there anyway. Chris Ward, and I'm thrilled to be here and happy to participate in your uh, ambitions. Thank you so much. It, it's wonderful. Chris, where are you from? I am in Canada. Uh, whereabouts in Canada? We, um, I just, my previous guest was from Nova Scotia, so we'll, we'll, try, oh. and be, we'll try and be specific. Okay, so I'm actually in PEI. Up until recently, I used to live in about an hour outside of Toronto in a small town, and now I live in Prince Edward Island, um, which is funny because I usually just say East Coast because a lot of Americans don't know what's happening here. But if you're familiar with Anna Green Gables at all, that's where I am. That's wonderful. So are you in Charlottetown or? Um... No, no, I'm in the country. Okay, wonderful. Well, um, I hope that you have a wonderful time up there on the island where they are growing, if I'm not mistaken, with proper pronunciation, potatoes. Um, so potatoes, yeah. Yeah, oh, wonderful. All right, let's start here, Chris. Uh, briefly tell me about yourself and your experiences in healthcare. Well, they're loaded. Okay, so let me tell you, uh, I would say the most recent ones is uh, my mom was in the hospital for a year. Um, about five years ago, it was very serious. She just got really sick and it was the aftermath of some treatment that she had like 40 years ago, uh, with cancer. So she got dangerously ill in like a matter of three days and it took them six months to figure out what was wrong with her because it was a very unique, bizarre situation. So it really was a puzzle. Um, so she was dangerously ill hour by hour. They didn't know if she would live. She's alive and well. Um, and uh, my husband also uh, had uh, colon cancer. Uh, he was not in the hospital, but dealing with the hospital infrastructure, of course, chemo and all that stuff, but he never stayed in the hospital, but he is no longer with us. So I actually, uh, his last six months was my mom's first six months in the hospital. So those two things overlapped. Uh, so I have spent a lot of time in hospitals. Uh, I am, I am sorry for your loss and I am thankful to hear that your your mother made it through that experience. And I, what I'm appreciating about you is you're bringing a perspective, not the perspective of a patient, but the yeah. perspective of the family member of a patient. And that's that's a you that's a different animal than just you know the than having to say this is what happened to me. Now you're saying this is what I watched happening to other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Okay. So have you met any healthcare heroes along the way? Did it say people who are doing it right? You know, I really, 90% of them were healthcare heroes to me. They really were. And I also think to me, honestly, it's what, how you bring, 
you know, your energy to the game. So, I mean, sometimes I would say to my husband, like, look, they're, the doctor's not there to cheer you up because they would try, they don't want to, you know, give you promises, especially when his, you know, they had given him a, a time limit, like this is what's happening. And I was like, you know, they actually, to be honest, they gave him six months without treatment, two years with treatment. And he lived almost five years and only got ill at the end because we had a different philosophy. We're like, you know what? You can't be sick and well at the same time. Go to the gym, even if you got a chemo bag on. And they kept coming to us like, we don't know what you're doing, but it's amazing. And so they followed our lead. Like they, you know, they weren't giving us misinformation, but they're like, hey, we're on your team. What else can we support you with? So I really do, for me personally, think that you are in control of the energy you bring into the room. And that makes all the difference. Okay. It, you're, you're putting the control in the, the patient's hand, not in the hands of the doctors or the medical providers. Is that right? Well, yes. But I also do think too, like with my mom and even my husband, I think when you have somebody that's on that journey with you, it is so much easier for them to advocate for you than for you to advocate for yourself. Because when you advocate for yourself, you look like you're complaining. So when you set an infrastructure of this is what's going to happen, I also believe in, you know, like when my mom was in the hospital, we had people, we took shifts and we had people supporting her 24 seven, mostly because she couldn't even roll over. If she threw up, she would just choke on it. Like she was that sick. Um, but what we've always felt was when you need a medical, like when you need a nurse, I want the nurse to come because we need her and we need her to do something like give a needle, do whatever. I don't want the nurse to be bothered to say, bring a cup, you know, a glass of water, this is that, because I just, I want them to come when we need them. So we make sure that we provide everything that we can just so that we get the help we need, you know, that when they know when they're dealing with all these other patients that like, if we call you, it's, it's for something that your skill level only you can do. So I'm pretty strategic about it that's my philosophy but uh i remember one incident with my mom where she was um this was she was so weak she was 70 pounds she couldn't barely talk she did a lot of eyebrow actions that luckily i recognized those faces through the years of my childhood so i knew what she meant when she was annoyed and um my sister was doing her shift and she called high circle and said mom's like it's going down like she's really ill you got to get in here and so i went in and i said to the nurse like, cause they just, they didn't know her and she, I could see she was getting sicker, but she was so sick. Somebody who didn't know her well, couldn't see. And I said, something's wrong here. You need to get the doctor. And, and, and I said to her, look, here's the thing. If I'm right and we don't address this right now, right now, they'll be interviewing us on the news. I will not let this go. You know, if I'm wrong, all she gets is a little bit of extra care. And the doctor came, they pulled him out of surgery because her situation was so complicated. I didn't know they could do that. And she ended up being in intensive care within the hour. And they apologized to me and all this other stuff. I'm like, that you do not owe me an apology. I was just very in tuned with my mom and I was with her 24 seven and I, and I knew her and I could see her fading. And, and this would not have been on their radar. They just couldn't have spotted it, right? So I believe if you advocate and you bring a certain energy to it and you do it in a way like, you know, that, that thing I said to her would sound like a little bit of a threat. That was after me discussing it with several nurses and they, they were new and they hadn't seen us. They just thought like I'm complaining. So I said, look, here's the deal. Like it's crunch time, but I did it still in a warm voice. And the woman winked at me and she said, you're doing this right. And 
because she didn't have the authority to do it. She goes, you're doing this right. And this is going to make it happen. So if I can't make it happen and say the same thing to the next person. Yeah. And again, what we're talking about is a power shift, right? In which you're saying up until then, it's like, we would like to have the doctor come and it's the doctor will get here at his convenience. And, and that, that that's probably overstating it. The doctor, like he's dealing with other patients and you know, when he's done with the patient in front of him, then, you know, depending on what the priority and you're saying, listen, I, we need to jump the line in some ways. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah. And here's the thing they're doing their job. They don't know me. They don't know that I'm just not in hysterical mode. Right. So I had to say, look here, I will not eat. And they, then they caught on. We will not waste your time. We will do everything we can to make your job easier. But when we need you, we need you. Right. And so it, it really made for a collaboration. When my mom went in the hospital, we didn't know she'd be in there for a year. So, you know, but that's the, the pace we started right from the beginning. One time she came out of the hospital, about six months mark, and then she had to go, well, she was just so hell bent again in the hospital. And I, within two weeks, I was like, mom, you got to go back. Right. And my sister started crying. My mom started crying. And I apparently, I, I would have liked to think I did this softer, but I was in management mode. So I would have, if I had the pacing, I, I would have done this differently. And I said to everyone, stop crying. We cannot go in there as a victim. We need to take control of the situation and tell them where we're at. She's dehydrated. This is what we need. If we cry and sit there wringing our hands, we put the power in their place. And not, not that it's about power imbalance, but we need them to know like we're clear headed. This is what we think. Here's what's happened. Here's what we need. Let's move forward with the plan versus you rescuing us. Yeah. Um, so to paraphrase Tom Hanks from a league of their own, like there's no crying in advocacy. Um, so, no, good. no. Uh, what does quality healthcare mean to you? Well, I'm a Canadian and I, I know it like never, especially healthcare never is, it's just never going to be good enough. And I hear people complain about it all the time, but the reality is we are very blessed. Uh, my mom was in the hospital for a year with supreme care. And then she came home and they sent us home a hospital bed because she still wasn't strong enough to walk and all these support services, you know, and all we had to pay for when we went to the hospital was parking. Right. And we even managed that. My sister and I would just change cars. Like, so the car would be in the parking lot 24 hours. You just drive up, leave one car there, whatever. It was a whole complicated thing, but it saved us some parking. Sure. And even that we're like oh, parking, right? <laughs> we have to pay for parking. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very proud of our healthcare system. I think it's spectacular. You know, both of those would have, I mean, they say, and, and please, I'm not slandering the States, but apparently they say it's a million dollars to die in the States. If you get an, an illness and I couldn't imagine looking at my husband or my mom saying, we can't afford that. We can't afford that treatment. Like what, a, what would I have sold? Like a limb, an organ? Like, I just, I don't know what I would have done. So, you know, I, I think we've got, uh, can always be better because it's healthcare, but I, I'm very blessed and really thrilled to have these resources. Excellent. Uh, what do you wish your medical providers understood about you? You know what? I think the only thing that everything at the end of the day comes down to business. It just has to, right? It, it's a business infrastructure, anything done well is set up like business. So I think the only thing I would say that I don't appreciate sometimes is they have a tendency, whether it's a specialist or a doctor or whatever, you can have an appointment at 11 o'clock, but they might have two people at 11 o'clock appointment. So that means when they start work at nine, by the time you get to 11, you're waiting an hour. And that's their theory is some people don't show up and things like that. But 
you know, don't say 11 if you don't mean 11, right? So, because it, it's just frustrating. But other than that, I, I think they do a spectacular job. Okay. I, it's funny. My father-in-law would, he always, he was a businessman, self-employed, ran his own business. And um, he would always ask them to schedule him as the first appointment of the day. Yes. Yes. Say, that's, yes. Yes. I want we to did bring that. in at yeah. eight o'clock because I, you know, if you, if you um, are, if you are looking to, for me, I, the time that I spend in there is time that I am not at my business and time that I am not making money. So yeah. like, yes, please make sure that you get me in, get me in at the time that you said that you wanted me there and treat me. So we, you know, good stuff in that way. Uh, yeah, we always, if you wanted us there at six o'clock in the morning, we'll be there. We want to be first in and then you deal with the mess of your day. So that's another thing. You just, you come in with ins and outs and strategy around perceived weaknesses on their end. You can navigate that. Yeah. Okay. I think I may have skipped a question, but it's okay because we're almost out of time. Uh, what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? I don't know. I really don't. I think, uh, I, I think they do a spectacular job and there's always room for improvement. But for me, again, I think that you, you have a, a, a great empowerment with the energy you bring into the room. Um, so I think that, you know, I, for me, I can't change the outside world. I can change me. So if you start with yourself, I think you'll find your results different. Excellent. I, that is, it's wonderful advice. I appreciate it. Um, it's, it's so interesting to hear, like getting the Canadian perspective and I, listen, I think that there are, there are pros and cons to, to both systems and, um, yeah, we got to, you have to bloom where you're planted, so to speak is what I, you know, to, to use your phrase, you've got to take hold of, um, you take hold of what is in front of you. You, you seize, is it seize the hour, seize the day? Is that, is am I? Win the hour, win the day. <laughs> uh, win yeah. the hour, win the day. So it's, it's one at a time you take, you're taking your small wins and the, um, mm. make using those to, to move forward into to bigger things. Listen, Chris, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. I appreciate your help in getting, making progress on this. And I, I respect your perspective on healthcare. Well, thank you for your kind words, Rob. Good luck with your day. Have fun, everyone. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.